1: get a history book well we have a late entry this week it's uh someone who emerged from the pack last night and once again we can thank msnbc for delivering this week's winner and now, it's time for The Jerk of the Week, starring John Steigerwald. Well, it began with a piece in Politico on Monday with this headline, Trump allies prepare to infuse Christian nationalism in second administration, unquote. It was co-written by Alexander Ward and Heidi Pras- Prisbaila. Not sure which one wrote this sentence about Russell Vout who they said could become a top advisor in Trump's administration. Here's what was written in the piece. Quote, he makes clear reference to human rights being defined by God, not man. America should be recognized as a Christian nation, quote, where our rights and duties are understood to come from God, Vought wrote two years ago in Newsweek. Imagine that. Somebody who believes that Americans, quote, are endowed by their creator, with certain unalienable rights who came up with that crazy idea well I'm guessing it's Heidi who wrote the sentence and doesn't know about that idea because here's what she said on MSNBC
0: the one thing that unites all of them because there's many different groups orbiting Trump but the thing that unites them as Christian nationalists not Christians by the way because Christian nationalists is very different, mm-hmm. is that they believe that our rights as Americans, as all human beings, don't come
2: from any earthly authority. They don't come from Congress, they don't come from the Supreme Court, they come from God.
1: And she said that with a look on her face, and the, the other people on the panel just kind of nodded, and it was uh, it's amazing. She said it like it had never she she had never heard of the idea before, and she's a writer for a national outlet that covers American politics. And you know what else? Heidi Prisbyla is? She's the AM 1250, the answer, jerk of the week. When we come back, we're going to talk to the author of Overrun, How Joe Biden Unleashed the Greatest Immigration Crisis in U.S. History. And in our second half hour, Sam DeMarco, he's the Allegheny County Councilman at large, he's going to be here to talk about how your new socialist Allegheny County Executive is getting an early start on fixing the 2024 election. Stick around. Well, we're having trouble getting our guest. I was hoping to uh, bring on a guy who's written a book, Todd Bensman, Benson, I should, Bensman is his name. He's a senior fellow at the Center for Immigration Studies and the author of a book called Overrun, How Joe Biden Unleashed the Greatest Crisis in U.S. History. Uh, we may, we may have had some kind of a mix up. He's on Central Time and, uh, I think we're on Easter Time here. So he, he may be, he may end up calling an hour late, uh, or we may, who knows? But anyway, he's not here. So I came across something, uh, I didn't think I was going to have time for because of the two guests. But, um, this ties in with what we had in the opening of the show for the jerk of the week, who was the, uh, the woman from Politico. Uh, for saying what she said on msnbc i think it was last night it was in the last couple of nights where she said that uh, the trump campaign is um is going to be really leaning on christian nationalists and christian nationalism uh for to get votes and to you know to, to win the election um and she she said with like a a shocked tone you know that they're actually they're out there saying that that our rights come from God and not from the government, which is only the principle upon which the country was built. Okay. The country wouldn't exist if not for that. So it, it ties in good with this, well, with this story because, uh, you may have heard the story about Alabama Supreme Court. They, uh, what they ruled about embryos, um, that they ruled that, uh, an embryo is a life and you, to, to kill it is to kill a, a human being. Uh, and the case is LePage versus Center for Reproductive Medicine, and it involved a negligent fertility clinic. Uh, they, they failed to secure its cryogenic nursery. A hospital patient wandered into the clinic and accidentally killed several embryos. And the legal question before the court was whether the parents of this dead embryonic, of the dead embryonic children, could file suit against the clinic under Alabama's wrongful death of a minor act. Justice J. Mitchell in Alabama explained in his state straightforward majority opinion, the Alabama Supreme Court had held in an uninterrupted line of cases that an unborn child constitutes, quote, a minor child, unquote, under the state's wrongful death statute. So that would include an unborn child in the womb, obviously. Uh, And it says that was the case regardless of stage of embryonic or fetal development. Uh, Neither the plaintiffs nor the defendants contested this understanding, and the question was not before the court. So the only legal question in LePage was thus whether the court should legislate from the bench and decree that which the Alabama legislature had opted not to do itself, and read into the law an uh, extrauterine exception that would retain the wrongful death statute's inclusion of unborn children develop, developing in utero, but remove legal protection for embryos developing outside the womb. So the court declined to do so. That's it. The whole case. They said that the embryo is the same as a baby in the womb. It's a it's a living human being, and if you kill it, you're killing a human being. So, um, the, the, the liberals are really upset about this. And that may be what sparked the conversation they were having on MSNBC that caused this woman to make her idiotic comment. And by the way, she made that comment. Michael Steele was sitting right there on the panel. He's the former head of the Republican National Committee. And I, I, to be fair to him, there's a chance, about a 1% chance, I would say, that he might have pushed back a little bit. I only saw the clip and it ended with what she said, the idiotic statement she said. So I, I, but I, just from the look on his face, he seemed to be nodding in approval. So uh, I could be wrong, but I'm going to guess that he didn't push back at all. So this Chief Justice Tom Parker, he's, uh, he's, he has liberals upset because uh, he explored the meaning of a 2022 amendment to the Alabama Constitution. And this is what it says, quote, This state acknowledges, declares, and affirms that it is the public policy of this state to recognize and support the sanctity of unborn life and the rights of unborn children, including the right to life. Now, this, this uh, story, by the way, is written by uh, Josh Hammer for the uh, Daily Signal. Uh, he's also a writer for Newsweek. Um, but he he makes a great case here, and it ties right in with what I noticed about this idiotic statement made on uh, MSNBC. Uh, Parker, correct. This is, the, this is the justice now. He writes, Parker correctly explained how the word sanctity cannot be understood in anything other than a religious context, namely the Judeo-Christian tradition that is America's great heritage. The sanctity of human life, he noted. Is a concept that goes all the way back to the creation of man, quote, in the image of God, unquote, as recorded in the Book of Genesis. So Parker cited other services of other verses from Scripture, including the famous verse from the Book of Jeremiah, "When I had not yet formed you in the womb, I knew you." So he cited some other biblical phrases. You know that uh, that sent the liberals into a frenzy, uh, and because of uh, the case, had Parker's. Uh, Statement in there, and his his um his opinion on the case. The liberals have denounced this whole uh, uh, decision as an act of theocracy or Christian nationalism. There's the words Christian nationalism. So this is this is what I really liked about this piece because uh, this guy, uh, who I thought about calling to be on the show, but I called uh, Todd uh, uh, what's his name uh, Benzman instead and. He apparently, he may have blown us off. We'll see. Um, but, um, this is what, this is what he writes. America was quite literally founded on the notion that, quote, all men are created equal and that, quote, they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. I think the key word in that phrase is creator. Okay. Thomas Jefferson, the man who penned those words but redacted his Bible to remove those parts he did not himself believe, was about the furthest thing imaginable from an Orthodox Christian. Yet, even Jefferson held that our rights flow from our Creator, the very God we know from Genesis who made man in his image. The political theory of the American founding is that man is made in God's image and that we accordingly possess certain rights that no other man or ruler can deny. This is not theocracy, and by the way, it's not Christian nationalism. It's basic American history, basic historical literacy. And no one was clearer about the role of God in the American public square than George Washington, the greatest of all the founders, whose birthday we celebrated this week. Now, in Washington's 1789 Thanksgiving Proclamation, imagine, imagine uh, Joe Biden, Donald Trump. Barack Obama, George Bush, whoever the next president is, saying this at, uh, a week before Thanksgiving, next, uh, this coming November. Uh, it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits, and humbly to implore his protection and favor. That's what George Washington said as President of the United States to the people of the United States in um, 1789. And then he declared that a Thursday in late November should be, quote, devoted by the people of these states to the service of, what, of that great and glorious being who is the beneficent author of all the good that was, that is, or that will be, unquote. That's a pretty, pretty religious statement, wouldn't you say? And um, the liberals are going insane over the, the concept of, that we get our rights not from Joe Biden or Nancy Pelosi or Donald Trump or Abraham Lincoln or anybody you can name. They are from the creator. And that's the whole country is founded on that concept and makes it different from any uh, country ever created in the history of the human race. And this woman was on MSNBC babbling about how the Trump organization is dangerous because – they are being influenced by um, Christian nationalists who believe that we get our uh, we get our rights from God. She couldn't believe it. How does somebody? How does somebody who is considered to be qualified enough to write for a, a well-respected, very successful, as far as I know, uh, website outlet as Politico? How is somebody who is supposed to be qualified for that and is working every day to write stories about what's happening in a government and, and express opinions about it, how does anybody in that position get by being that stupid about how, what the American uh, government is about and how it was formed and why it was formed and why they said in the Declaration of Independence what they said? So uh, what this guy, uh, this writer says, is that the Alabama Supreme Court's ruling in LePage was a straightforward case of statutory interpretation, but it also affirmed and upheld this broader, broader venerable tradition. The ra- reality is those decrying the Alabama Supreme Court's ruling in LePage don't merely hate unborn human life, they hate America itself. So that goes all the way back to our jerk of the week. Uh, and that, that this piece where this came from is by Josh Hammer. He wrote it at the Daily Signal. I should give, you, uh, give him credit for that. But um, it's hard to believe that it's evolved to the point where you have to actually remind people that we don't get our rights from the government. Now, maybe it isn't hard to believe because if you think about what liberals and Democrats think about the role of government, they think they they don't they think that we have to go to the government to get the government's permission to bear arms for example they don't understand that the whole point of the bill of rights and the constitution was that we were born with those rights and they don't get to take them away and that's what the constitution is for to make sure that they don't try to take them away that's a pretty basic thing that that um, you would think someone who's been in government for longer than fifteen minutes would n- number one understand but also know that it's absolutely insane to question it at this point, but our jerk of the week did, and you can and you can bet that you're going to be hearing a lot more about this Christian nationalism stuff and they're going to be pushing that hard and I hope they do actually because it'll be it 'll backfire on them and and the thing is you can you can make some legitimate arguments about trying to keep uh, keep the the, uh, the government from, from becoming a theocracy and all that stuff, but you can't be taken seriously about your uh, on, with your on your opinions about anything doing having to do with the federal government or the government in general if you don't understand the concept that we give the, the government we as Americans give the government the right to tell to, to, to make laws. The government doesn't give us the right to carry a gun or or speak freely when we want to speak freely and and have the right to free speech. We don't we don't have to ask them for that. We were born with it, and the government has to ask us to do any to to mess with it. It's it's, it's stunning to me that that um, it's reached that point. I, I, maybe I keep saying it's stunning, but maybe it isn't because these people every day they show you that they think that. That we are subjects and not citizens, and they try to pass laws, or they try to question laws, or or uh, parts of the Constitution, like the Second Amendment, and and they think that they get to decide whether or not that uh, they have to follow the the rules. We have to follow their rules instead of them following ours. It's sick. But anyway, I got a couple minutes to fill here. Uh, and I wanted to. This is something that actually Mike and Mike Adams, our control operator, he stumbled upon this. This is um, this is twenty four things that uh, you're not allowed to say anymore because they're racist. Twenty four expressions. Okay. Uh, there's a, there's a list of them here. It's at msn. Dot uh, Pete. Can't hear you. Oh, peanut gallery. <laughs> peanut gallery sorry about that I was off mic a little bit peanut gallery you're not allowed to say that uh that's an expression uh no more comments from the peanut gallery i remember it from the howdy doody show from a 100 years ago uh, but you're not allowed to say that because it refers to um uh the cheapest seats in an auditorium where cheap peanuts were sold as snacks and black people were required to sit so don't say i don't know how many people even use that anymore but don't say that anymore uh you're also a couple more here you're not allowed to say hooligan so don't, you know, if you see a, uh, some kind of a riot after a soccer match in England, don't call them hooligans because it's, um, it's now understood to mean troublemaker, but the word hooligan is believed to come from an Irish surname, either hoolahan or hooligan, and was used by the British in the Victorian era as a, era, as a slang for disreputable Irishmen who caused trouble. So don't ever call or refer to hooligans again. Uh, you cannot, uh, Oh, gypsies, that's been around for a while. Sold down the river. You're not allowed to say that somebody was sold down the river. Uh, because and People say it now to mean they feel betrayed, but it's actually a racist expression stemming from the fact that in the 19th century, American slave owners would often sell troublesome or misbehaving slaves to another po- plantation located further down the Mississippi River. So don't say that anymore. Um, here's another one. Long time no see. Hey, Mike, long time no see. How you doing? No, sorry. Uh, If somebody says that to you, you should be offended because it's similar to no can do, which is also something. Oh, oh, no can. You can't say that either because that is mocking of Chinese immigrants. uh, English. The phrase long time no see as an alternative to I haven't seen you in a long time became as a racist expression making fun of the pidgin English spoken by Native Americans. So, Long time no see. Don't say that anymore. I wonder if you can say how anymore. Like, uh, no, just use that word, H-O-W. I guess you can't. No can do. You're not allowed to use that. Can't use Eskimo anymore. Uh, A mumbo. (laughs) Don't give me any of this. If you think I'm giving you a lot of mumbo jumbo here, this expression derives from the name of a mama hama a, a character often portrayed by a male dancer in West African Mandinka cultural ceremonies. Uh, British explorers in the 1730s got his name wrong and found him terrifying and grotesque and the rituals meaningless, hence the derogatory use of the name to indicate that something is unintelligible nonsense. So don't ever say that on this radio station you heard me spewing a lot of mumbo-jumbo. I'll be right back. <laughs> So we're about to get to the point where the election is only eight months away, and it's obvious the Democrats are getting ready to fix another one. Uh, Sam DeMarco is councilman at large in Allegheny County. He's blowing the whistle on the new socialist county executive, uh, Sarah Inamorato. He joins us now. Sam, thanks for coming on the show.
2: Thanks for having me, John. I appreciate it.
1: So, uh, what's she
2: up to? <clears throat> well, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to speculate on what she's up to. I want to tell you about an action she took yesterday okay. that she took unilaterally without c- consultation of the fellow members of the boards of elections. And that's, she announced yesterday that she was going to expand and add five different ballot drop-off locations throughout the county for people to be able to return their mail or absentee ballots on the last two weekends prior to the primary election. And my concern about this is, you know, one, with no consultation with the Board of Elections, we have a lot of questions. Who's going to pay for this? What security is going to be in place? What's the chain of custody going to be like? You know, what are the steps between the time someone hands their ballot to a worker there and who are those workers going to be and the time that ballot is then placed in the locked cage down at the warehouse where they will all be scanned on election day, uh, she mentioned that she had the approval of the Department of State to go ahead and do this. Uh, well, where is that approval? I call for her to make that public because when I read the guidance from the Secretary of State, Department of State, in the fir- in the three pages in which valid collection locations are addressed, you know, the Board of Elections is mentioned ten times. And so there's been no board of elections meeting held, to my knowledge, there hasn't been one yet scheduled. They, she didn't consult with my other colleague, who together with her, her and I make up two thirds of the board of elections. <clears throat> you know, and I wonder, John, as we talk about this, what's next? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, and when you, sorry, go ahead. No, you go. When you have a seg- significant segment of the population that questions the security or integrity of the electoral process. For things to be done like this unilaterally, you know, and in, in, I don't want to say in the dark of night, but, you know, it certainly wasn't done. In sunlight, not providing any transparency or the public the opportunity to comment, you question what else is next.
1: Yeah, so you're saying she should have given council a chance to sign off on it?
2: Well, she should have. She should have given the Board of Elections the opportunity to sign off on it, okay? Where the questions that I just raised and that my colleague had additional ones could have been answered. And at the end of the day, John, because I know uh, Councilwoman Allen supports, you know, the concept of drop boxes and things like that throughout the county, you know, uh, County Executive in very likely May have gotten the same result, but the process would have been done properly, you know, through the oversight of the Board of Elections, and having a public meeting would have given the public an opportunity to comment.
1: Well, that would be that a,
2: was not done.
1: That's an amazing concept. Who's on the uh, Board of Elections?
2: There are three members. This is by charter, the Elgin county Charter. It is the County Executive and the two county council members at large so the board of elections consists of sarah anamirato bethany hallam and myself
1: okay now um has anybody have you asked her um since you've come out with this public statement that you made uh has has there been any contact with her hey uh sarah maybe you should have i don't know run it by me first
2: I issued a press release yesterday through county council and as a member of the Board of Elections. I issued a press release as the chairman of RCAC and I've been all over social media and I replied to one of her tweets uh, posing these questions and asking for answers and I have not gotten them. So what about... about, Go ahead. No, if you were to say, have I reached out to her? I don't have her number.
1: Oh.
2: (laughs) Contrary to the way the former county executive, Rich Fitzgerald operated, I've not had a single conversation with her since she took office.
1: Which was when? Uh, January, right? January
2: 2nd, I yeah, think it was. Yeah, uh, yeah.
1: Um, based on what you know about her uh, in the past, where she's been before, and also what she promised to do in her campaign, does any of this surprise you?
2: Um, no. And I think, you know, actions like this give many of the voters who were concerned about our inexperience in judgment, you know, which contributed to make this past November's election the closest for a county executive in 24 years, sort of validated those concerns. And, yeah. uh, you know, I don't see. I would hope I try to give a sort of a honeymoon period. And give them an opportunity to get their feet, you know, uh, set here, recognizing that coming in, they wouldn't even know where the, where the, uh, lights were located. (laughs) But actions like this taken without consultation, I don't know if this is, uh, the fact that they don't understand the process or this is done out of arrogance, in which case they believe they're going to do whatever it is they want to do.
1: Yeah, it's um, it's, it's, a, it's only been a month, but other than this, are there other things that you've seen that have bothered you? The way things have, what she's done to <laughs> well, this I
2: point. Think, look, I think I think just coming out of the right out of the gate, announcing a minimum wage increase, yeah, and not just to the twenty dollars that county council had tried to pass and that county county executive Fitzgerald vetoed, but she took it to twenty two dollars. <laughs> And at the press conference she announced that she was unable to tell any of the members of the media how much that was gonna cost and where it was gonna come from. Well now was she that... made an ill advised comment at that press conference as well, where she said she did that to give the unions a higher floor from which to bargain from. We have twenty four union contracts, collective bargaining agreements that are up in twenty twenty four. And she just gave people some without any negotiation whatsoever, a $3 an hour raise. What does she think the costs are going to be or what the asks are going to be when these professional negotiators representing these unions and the collective bargaining agreements come to her? Okay? And then she started off, followed it up with a press conference, where she talked about giving $500,000 to help pay for child care, but said it was like for 28 families. At that press conference, she was asked about her trip to Florida, if she had just been in Florida, and she's unable to tell them who paid for the trip. That's a lot in the month. Now we have have this, and it makes folks start to question, you know, again, the judgment and uh, how she believes or how she intends to try to govern here mm-hmm. in Allegheny County.
1: Now, now that minimum wage yeah, was against her term. That that minimum wage was for county workers, right? Not, not for everybody. Yes,
2: the minimum wage. Were, the minimum wage was for all county workers, but it included part time and seasonal workers. And so, what she did is she automatically just raised. Like the uh, if you know the high school kids that work in the snack bar at the golf course, mm-hmm. or the person sitting in collecting admissions at the uh, wave poles. You know the the high school kids are automatically got a three dollar an hour raise from twelve dollars an hour to fifteen. And she said that all county employees would have a minimum wage of twenty two dollars an hour by twenty twenty seven.
1: <laughs> well, hey Sam, so really,
2: I, We're 24. We're talking just a couple of 3 years.
1: Yeah. I um <laughs> I don't know what it's like now. I I'm, I'm going to guess it's I don't I maybe I shouldn't say it, but um I'm going to guess it's the same. Um if it was a million years ago, if if you if you could somehow usually you had to know somebody who worked for the county or somebody in politics, if you could somehow wrangle a Job working for Allegheny County in the summer was the greatest job you could have. You know why? Cuz you didn't do any work. Nobody did anything. And the best job was working on the grounds crew. Now I don't know, you know, if if it's the same now, but I had I had a friend who took a lawn, a, a lawn chair to work and he put it out and he sat in it for 4 out of, out of his 8 hours and they would my friend, I used to meet him for lunch. He was working eight to four, but he was gone he was eating eating lunch with me at noon he wasn 't going back to work and I mean that was so well known by everybody that the greatest job you could get would be working for the county now it might be a little tougher to cheat if you 're working at a swimming pool or something like that, but I have a feeling that if there was an investigation done on the work being done by county workers and i 'm talking more about. Part time, you know, people that you just mentioned are going to get $20, 15 dollars an hour or mm-hmm. whatever it is. Uh, you would find that if you sent a spy out there to see how much work they're doing, I bet you'd be kind of surprised. Or well, you might not be surprised. You, if you, if you've been working for the county long enough, you know what's going on. But someone in the media might want to look into it. Not that that they'd want to do their job on something like that. But so well, I, I don't well, know. What
2: I mean, listen, you and you and I are are, are, are similar age. Mm-hmm. Liberal age group here. I mean, I'm 65. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so I heard many of those stories as well in the past. But but I do have to tell you here that I've been serving on county council for, I'm in my ninth year. Okay. And uh, all I've observed in the time that I've been here have been hardworking county employees they are doing what we asked them to do. Mm-hmm. And that's across a number of different departments. So, you know, while that may have been the case, way back in the past where patronage was rampant and things like that yeah. you know i don't believe that that's the case okay. today and i think that's a good thing
1: yeah yeah and i'm, I'm not talking about all county workers obviously i'm thinking more about the, the well like when i was a kid the kids who they're hiring you know somebody's uh somebody's nephew gets a job and uh on the road crew and they they ride around for two hours a day and then go home i mean that, that's that's the kind of stuff that that i'm talking about not the you know the the everyday 40 hour a week county worker um but I'll take, I'll take your word for it on that so back to this uh election thing um you you also complained about where some of these proposed locations are for the uh, drop boxes why
2: well it seemed like she was putting you know one in the de- right in the middle of a democrat area high uh density democrat area and in the republican areas They're out in remote locations, North Park, South Park, you know, and, you know, and and Boyce Park. Okay. And, and, you know, when Richard Fitzgerald was kind of executive, he was fond of saying that there was a drop box on every street corner. It was called a mailbox.
1: You know, and (laughs) folks
2: had the ability to use that. Yeah. When we did this back in 2020, and we did this because it was a way of trying to address the global pandemic. Mm -hmm. You know, at the time, people were concerned about too many people being clustered in one place, all that kind of deal there. Uh, You know, I question why we need to do this today. You know, I I believe in her press release, she referenced accessibility to be able to vote and security. Well, my question would be, you know, you're just dropping something off so I don't understand why it has increased in any way accessibility, considering that I'm sure people live closer to a mailbox than they do to these typical locations.
1: I, I find the mailboxes thing would to be, be security. Yeah,
2: <laughs> it's just the, the second thing on security. She hasn't explained in any way, shape or form how this is going to address security by introducing these locations spread throughout the county. The two weekends before the primaries to take place on April twenty
1: third. Now, uh, this is we're talking about the primaries here. What's going to if if, she, if it happens for the primary, it's going to be in place for the the general too, right? You would think, and I
2: think the other thing that concerns me is again, she's taking this action unilaterally with no discussion with her fellow board of elections members. What else is she going to do? Because she was circulating a survey to folks asking them to complete. And when they were asking about voting, they also mentioned things like a mobile, uh, ma- mobile voting mailing van or something like that. Ugh. It would go to parking
1: lots and plazas. Are you kidding me? You know what? I think they really, maybe what she ought to have. Um, I think that they should have, Nobody should have to leave their house to vote or mail it. They should have people come door to door, you know, and uh, knock on the door and then you give the, your vote to the person and then they take it in and deposit it for you because it's just too much to ask somebody to actually, you know, go to a polling booth, which which I think were set up to be convenient, you know, like the one that I have to go yep. to on election day, I could, I could run there and about about six minutes if I wanted to just jog out my front door. It's, you know, I, it's, and as you mentioned, this all started with the COVID insanity and maybe you could make an excuse for it. Although much of that was bogus. Is this, are are the Democrats going to just continue to do this now forever and what they got away with during COVID or try to anyway? I believe they're going to try to, you know, I mean,
2: uh, in, You know, John, I get all kinds of... I I take incoming fire from the left and from the right, Mm -hmm. okay? From the left, they complain that, you know, I'm a Republican, I'm standing in the way, or trying to suppress votes. From the right, they claim I'm not doing enough, you know? And at the end of the day, you know, Republicans, conservatives, moderate Democrats, independents, you know, when you see things like this, you need to step up and make your voice heard. You call the county executive's office send them emails, let them know,
1: mm-hmm. and,
2: and also you need to vote.
1: Right. Well, I, 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 Sam, and, I'm out of time here. Uh, I appreciate you coming on, Sam DeMarco, Councilman at Large, Allegheny County. In 15 seconds, uh, just a quick answer. Have the local media shown any interest in your statement that you put out?
2: Oh, absolutely. I was interviewed yesterday by WTAE,
1: WPXI, oh, good. and earlier today by uh Good. Uh, I, I was, I was expecting a no, so I'm glad you said they have. That's, a, that's, uh, that's good news. Um, so, uh, thanks for coming out with that, Sam, and, uh, thanks for coming on the show. I'm sure we'll talk again soon. You got it. Have a great day, John. Okay. You too. That's Sam DeMarco, Councilman at Large in Allegheny County. I'll be right back. Well, I'm going to finish off uh, the week here with something uh, with the help of uh, Dan Bongino. I think you all know who he is, uh, and he used to be on Fox. He's now uh, all over the place. He's got his own uh, news site. He's on uh, Rumble. He's a former Secret Service agent, former, I believe, uh, New York City cop. And he I've, – I've been saying this for a while, and I think that he put something up on Twitter today that he just – to me summed it up perfectly the way I feel about what's happening with Donald Trump and why we are where we are in politics right now. And um, uh, this is what he put up there today. And I just want to read it to you. Uh, he says, uh, this is extremely important. We have crossed a number of dangerous red lines. You see it every day. But the ongoing police state war on Trump is deeper than you may realize. And this is this is where he 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 hits it for me. Trump is well aware of the unprecedented corruption that went on in both the Obama-Biden administration and the Biden-Harris regime. He's a target because they are afraid he's learned from his first term and won't make the same mistakes this time. They're terrified he's about to expose what they did. The blob, sometimes referred to as the deep state, Partook in the scandal as well. The media know about it, and it has, and they've chosen to be co conspirators in the corruption by covering it up and attacking people exposing it. In essence, Biden was running Ukraine with the explicit permission of Obama. Now, you remember that Biden was put in charge of Ukraine by Obama. Uh, he goes on to say Biden and others were crashing in on his de facto monarchy when tapes and other evidence began to surface, and of course, Trump was looking into it. Uh, which clearly demonstrated the depths of the corruption. They needed a, quote, insurance policy to protect Biden, Obama, and Hillary. This is the genesis of nearly every Russia hoax that has surfaced. The recent arrest of an FBI source alleged to have exposed parts of the scandal is a panicked move to attempt to save Biden from electoral doom if the scandal is fully exposed. And then he goes on to say he'll have more on his show today, Rumble if you want to go look for that but to me that that makes one thousand percent perfect sense I'll talk to you Monday